This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Lieber. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And a good Saturday night, everyone, and welcome into Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, coming out of an exciting uh, 28-7 victory for the Nittany Lions, who now remain unblemished uh, on the season. They take an 8-0 and record uh, into the bye week next week. Of course, you hear all of the Penn State football action right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, and you hear all of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor uh, every week right here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Breaking news, J-Doc, as we uh, come on the air tonight. Um, first, I welcome you into the show uh, and welcome you into a Saturday night. We're live at the Senesta uh, for a Labor Leader Roundtable live edition of the broadcast tonight. Always great to come to the Senesta. Uh, love to do the live show and love to do the Labor Leader Roundtable. Yeah, absolutely. Tonight's a great show. Uh, tonight, uh, we have the American Federation of Government Employees, uh, Philip Glover, the uh, National Vice President, here with the whole team. And we got a lot to talk about, no question about it. But we also do have a couple breaking news stories. Number one, obviously, uh, the strike is over. UAW uh, members, they ratified the deal. So we're real excited about that. Yeah, the, uh, the ratified deal uh, with General Motors. Uh, the strike uh, started back in the beginning of September. I remember referencing uh, the strike, talking about it during uh, multiple programs uh, in September here on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. And now uh, the... Um, that strike has been ra- or has now ended and or, and has been ratified. Right, the members approved the contract by fifty-seven point two percent approval, and so uh, we're just really happy. So fifty thousand members uh, were affected by it, and, and so we're ecstatic that the contract has been signed, that it's being signed, and it's been approved. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, getting back to work, and we couldn't be more happy for them. Uh, the, 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 the next contract they're dealing with is the Ford Motor Company contract. Hopefully that'll be smoother, and uh, we're real excited for all of them. Yeah, and I take you and I take our listening audience back to just a week ago on the President's Hour with Pat Eiding, the president of the AFL-CIO, who talked about the UAW and talked about the many moving parts that make sure. up the contingency of trying to get a deal done, uh, and they were able to do it so Good news for all of those workers and all of those, uh, all of their uh, families as well. That's good news. We love to bring and deliver good news. Good news, absolutely. And so that's our first major announcement. And now we have a second major announcement. If you remember, obviously a couple weeks ago uh, when we did our one of our opioid specialists, um, we had uh, Brian Fritz on the program of Fritz Bianculli. And we were talking about what was, there was a case in the balance that had to do with, uh, you know, the opioid epidemic and 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 uh, Union Carpenter who was badly maimed. And uh, the great news is, and we got Brian uh, Fritz in the studio right now to tell us 
Exactly. Well, you don't have them in. You don't have them in the studio. You have them at the Sinesta. We got them at the Sinesta. I'm sorry. Yeah, the food, by the way, here was so unbelievable. I'm delirious. <laughs> it was. So, Brian, obviously, uh, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for having me, guys. It's great to have you back in. I want to congratulate you and thank you for the representation that you provided for one of our members of labor who was badly injured due to, to, to the actions of somebody else. Uh, you know, obviously there was opioids involved, all kinds of stuff, but you guys did an amazing job. If you would, tell our listeners what's going on. Thank you, Joe. Um, yesterday we, uh, we finalized a settlement for uh, a union carpenter out of Local 158, and that settlement was for $10 million, um, and that will uh, uh, provide for him and his family for the rest of his life and to make up for the things that he lost. And the most important thing about this is this is one of the first reported cases that I'm aware of where a settlement has been made where someone was injured on a job site as a result of someone else's opioid addiction. And given the statistics and everything else that we've covered previously on other shows as well as what we've read in the paper, um, this epidemic's everywhere. And unfortunately, this might be one of the first ones that we've all heard about, but it, it won't be the last. Brian, for the benefit of the listening audience and for those uh, perhaps tuning in to Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor for the very, very first time, set the table a little bit for the listening audience on how you got to the point of a $10 million settlement. It's a long, long story. We'll never cover it all, but a lot of roads, a lot of peaks, and a lot of valleys for this individual. Sure, Joe. And and what we had done, and, and, and this is uh, an atypical settlement, um, but it's not atypical of our efforts in a case. And by putting the best foot forward and really striving to help someone, um, you know, uh, we got the result we did. Now, in this situation, we had a, a good people and the good cause. Um, so when you have both of those, it becomes a lot more inspiring to do. Um, in this situation, this case, we developed a vision and a strategy, and that was about a year ago. And that was uh, then painstakingly developed through uh, things, the tools at our disposal, through discovery in the case, through um, you know, taking advantage of maybe relationships with certain defendants who didn't necessarily have exposure to uh, align ourselves with them um, and, and discuss things and ultimately to see how things were going to pan out and take advantage of um, just certain things that, uh, that were available to us in the fact that maybe other people were a little bit asleep at the wheel. How it, tough was it, uh, Brian, for uh, your client? Uh, it was very tough. I, I mean, the, the 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 personal loss that he suffered um, uh, leading up to this, he was uh, almost the exclusive caretaker for a lot of the members of his family. His father's a disabled uh, Vietnam vet. His mom has her own health issues. Uh, him and his wife, um, uh, my, my client's name was Michael Little. His wife's name is Melissa. They took on a lot in terms of caring for members of his family, one of which was his brother, Stephen. And his brother Stephen had unfortunately been um, uh, suffering with uh, terminal cancer. And uh, Mike had taken on the responsibility of really making sure that Stephen got, uh, got to his chemotherapies and to care for his niece uh, as well and promising to care for his niece in the event that Stephen passed, which unfortunately he did. So he had all these things weighing on him that he could no longer do. He could no longer fulfill. Um, and we actually made the theme about this in our presentation that this case was about promises those unfulfilled and those flat out broken. And what we showed in the case was that the defendants involved that paid the settlement 
had violated their obligations both are underneath three items. The contract, their OSHA responsibilities, which is federal workplace safety law, as well as Pennsylvania law that imposed the duty. So the theme became very simple. Strike one, two, three. Doesn't, you don't have to be a sports enthusiast to know three strikes and you're out. And from that and, and his physical injuries and the development of what's called complex regional pain syndrome, and what will happen in the future, which our experts had um, completely delineated, was a risk of further bone breakdown, uh, future fractures, to the point that the bone may be um, so unstable that it wouldn't be able to withstand hardware. So now you're looking at a potential amputation. Now, what I didn't get into is how did this happen? Yeah, I was just going to say, can you, can you talk sure. about that? Sure. And, and you know, we front-load the damages here, what was suffered which is really an aggravating, uh, egregious thing, uh, and it was completely and totally unnecessary. What had happened was, on this project, it was the One Water Street project, they had um, interior bathrooms that were put in um, while the project was ongoing as an amenity so that the workers wouldn't have to use outside porta pots and those sorts of things during the winter months. And they had temporary PEX lines that would have been replaced with more permanent lines later. So one of the, the mechanical subcontractor who had... The, the responsibility of running the gas lines as well as the plumbing would then subcontract out. And that, that contractor was First State Mechanical. They then subcontracted out portions of their work to union contractors, one of which was Sulpizio Mechanical. The Sulpizio individuals drilled into a PEX line on the morning of February 15, 2016. And that was fully charged. And what that led to was the leaking of about 21 gallons per minute of water onto the floor. So that went throughout the building on the first floor. Instantly froze because of the temperature we're dealing with. So the they did that. They then leave the scene, their workers. First State's oversight, uh, their foreman came in, saw the ice, positioned himself to warn individuals, recognized the hazard, recognized people wouldn't know it was there. And then inexplicably, as it approached 9 o'clock and the brake truck would arrive, he leaves the scene. Now, he had said that he left to go find something to clean it up with, which didn't make sense because they had been using ice melt in their work in the weeks and months leading up to this. So where else did he go? And what we discovered was that the person had an opioid addiction, and this was also on a Monday morning. And what the explanation was that he left to go rendezvous and purchase his um, opioids or Percocets. As a result, the scene was left unattended and abandoned. Michael Little comes to reach an interior staircase. As he turns, he winds up slipping and falling on the ice that he had no reason to expect, nor should anybody have expected. And the tragedy is, you know, you you, you get somebody who's not not only taking care of their family and doing all those things, but he's doing things the right way. The the way you want people, you know, to be responsible and to to go to work, work hard, do Mm -hmm. your thing. You're controlling what you can control. Mm -hmm. You're not even... Doing the drugs yourself. It's but at the, the fault in, of somebody else. But the individual that was addicted mm-hmm. couldn't get past the addiction to not leave the scene. The addiction forced him off the job. Which is tragic. Yes. And, and, and later what we found out through deposition testimony was on the next job, the employer, his employer first, they could no longer ignore his addiction because he was sleeping in. They're what they call shanties or their offices on site. He wasn't there. He wasn't then. They could no longer ignore it, and then they fired him because of that. Now, um, they had a contractual provision to employ only fit individuals on this site. 
they did nothing to determine the fitness of this individual or they would have identified it then and there. And it, what the importance of that is this. We don't necessarily are suggesting that the person who has the addiction is disposable and they should just be discarded. We're not saying that at all. However, what people don't realize is that that addict is placing themselves at risk on a job site as well as others. And if the problems are identified early on, you actually present an opportunity for help so that that person's life doesn't completely go down the toilet. And what I'm saying is backed up by the statistics. Seven out of ten of the opioid abusers are employed in some, some fashion. All right, until they can't be employable and, and the problem's way out of control. They are twice as likely to appear in the construction industry. So in our press release, what we stated was that this is a wake-up call for all construction contractors out there of the, the fact that the opioid epidemic is real and it's everywhere, that you have an obligation to provide a safe work site under OSHA and probably under contracts, and that you can't allow these people to place themselves at risk or others at risk. And you have to detect them and either get them help or, or figure something out. But certainly you don't ignore the problem. And you can't ignore the problem because this case is a great example now of the economic consequences that you may face going into the future. Well, that's where justice is, is, uh, takes place in the courtroom. And unfortunately, somebody you know allowed somebody to be in a position. And now what are the extent of this? Uh, you, know, you talked about you know, his, his injuries. I mean, he could face amputation. Yes. Um, yesterday must have, I mean, you've worked really long and hard. And I, by the way, we saw that, you know, I mean, just the basic, the detail that you put into this case, incredibly uh, impressive. Um, what, what are his, what are your client, what are his spirits now? I mean, I know he's going through a, a lot, I mean, on a daily basis. Okay. Um, uh, justice is never going to give him his health back, you know, I mean, but how are his spirits today after yesterday? Well, it, uh, relief is the paramount um, uh, feeling sure. uh, because of all the the things that he couldn't do, uh, getting part of his life back. One of the poems that his brother had found along his uh, journey when he was recuperating, or excuse me, not when he was going through uh, treatment, was his poem Invictus. Um, and at the last two lines of that were really uh, powerful. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. Okay, And one of the things that we presented as part of our presentation at the mediation in this case was the fact that the jury verdict in this case would certainly allow Michael Little, who adopted this this poem, this anthem, um, not only out of sentimentality for his brother, but also to retreat for hope and inspiration, that uh, the jury verdict would once again allow him to be the master of his fate and the captain of his soul. And certainly with this settlement, that has been achieved. And now all those promises that he could not fulfill that weighed heavily upon him because he's an honorable guy. Now he can do that. And him and his wife can lead the life that they once had, and they can regain some of uh, what they lost and who they were. Brian Fritz joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you uh, live uh, from the uh, Sinesta Hotel. Brian, I say to you, um, and sometimes it's hard um, to um, to send along a congrats when there's been so much pain and suffering along the road of getting to this uh, success. But I will say publicly right now um, that I am glad that he had you uh, and your firm uh, in his corner. Well done by you, sir. Thank you. And and, and, and I want to thank you. This is a union carpenter, one of our brothers in the movement out there working his butt off every day who can no longer do that. So I want to thank you. Uh, Brian Fritz, uh, for, 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 for getting him the only justice he could get 
uh, and, and hopefully that'll bring solace to his family. Uh, Brian Fritz uh, of Fritz Biancoli, please say hello to Pat Biancoli, your partner, mm-hmm. Justice for Tanky. All right, good stuff, Jay. Thank Doug. you, Brian. Guys. Well done. We'll Thank get you. to our first commercial break here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, it's Saturday Night Live with Philly, Day- Philly Labor. It's our roundtable discussion. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Ironworkers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. I'm on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you from the Sonesta Hotel. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable, Jay Doc. A big shout out uh, to Brian Fritz um, for his diligence uh, in representing um, a uh, one of the injured carpenters from that uh, from the story that he told. Um, you know, sometimes. Um, successful stories or successful outcomes are hard to celebrate because of the pain involved, but a good job done by Brian Fritz working through that. Absolutely. And certainly emotional. And, and, uh, which brings us to, to our, our, by the way, as, as Brian was talking and I don't want to knock you, uh, knock you off, uh, off point. Um, I kept thinking back to, um, the launch of um, the Injured Workers Advocacy Program, sure. um, the partnership that you have put together to help uh, battle the opioid issue, um, and the story just does not go away. It doesn't, and it's amazing because it hits you from all different types of angles. You you know, us here at this table, we can only do the best that we can to lead as good a life as we possibly can. By the, by the way, uh, sometimes people fall off track, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, you do the best you can to get back on, but it just goes to show you that sometimes you can do everything right and somebody else can be driving that car and they could be intoxicated and we all know the results and in this case it was unbelievably de- devastating it was one of our union carpenters and we thank brian fitz of uh, fritz being cool and so brings us to the focus of, of of the primary focus of the show uh which is an american federation of government employees special uh, here at uh Sinesta, and, and we have our great friend uh after uh, executive vice president phil glover in the house how are you phil i'm good uh, you know, Phil, we we uh, I, I was kind of joking. We got to stop meeting like this, um, and I and I say that only tongue in cheek because we've had some unbelievably serious situations. One of the times we had that's when we had Trump uh, in holding everybody hostage uh, in in regards to not wanting to sign a contract until we got a wall built, um, and and and. Uh, it's always a fire you're putting out. You travel the country representing your members, and we thank you for that. If you would, introduce your guests, and uh, let's, let's uh, hear who we got. Sure. We're, uh, we're here tonight uh, with Karen Ford Steyer, who's the president over at AFG Local 1793, our Veterans Administration Hospital. We got her here tonight. Uh, we've got Jim Ryle that will get on a little later from Local 940. Jim. Uh, who's with the Veterans Benefit Administration. And then we have Matthew. Um, we got Matthew Culbertson. Culbertson I'm sorry. Uh, our chief steward from Local 333, who was out at TSA at the airport, which uh, they, haven't, they haven't been on before. So we wanted to try to make sure the TSA issues get out there in labor. 
so they understand what's happening. You should precede that introduction with a deep sigh. That's usually what we're using. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what, though? I mean, listen, uh, and, uh, you know, certainly a lot going on. And I know you have your hands full. Let's let's talk about um, you know some of the issues that you're that you're dealing with, uh, Phil. You, you know, because I know you always got your hands full. Well, let's. I, I just wanted to first say uh, this because we. I don't think we've been on since the, the government shutdown, the 35 day government shutdown, and we did want to stress uh, uh, to all the area labor unions out here in Philadelphia uh, our appreciation and thanks for everything they did helping us during that shutdown. Uh, they attended our rallies. They brought food out to workers. They sent money to AFG to help with, uh, you know, things that we could do uh, to help our members. And so I've wanted to start out with at least that with a 35-day shutdown, Absolutely. the longest in history, uh, where we had help. Uh, Pat Eiding and his crew at the Central Labor Council just went over and above for us every day. So that's one thing. Um, and here's it's the so, ironic it's, thing. It's, it's so e- <laughs> it, Phil, it's so easy to say it was just 35 days, but for the members that went through that 35 days, you certainly can make a case that 35 days in some ways felt like a lifetime. It was really uh, devastating for some of our workers. They live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, you know, we have a lot of what people, you know, you always hear about the government bureaucrat, you know, workers and how much we make. Well, you know, a, a GS5 officer or a GS2, you know, somebody who does housekeeping at the VA, for instance, or the TSA workers, some are part-time, and they just make what they can make. And, and uh, so, yeah, it, it was really a very difficult time. One of the things that, that struck me about that situation, by the way, we talked 35 days, but during it, it seemed like it was never going to end. And the stress was unbelievable. I could feel that we had everybody in the room. We were sitting right here where we're at right now, and it was because it was a roundtable at Sinesta. And... We didn't know when it was going to end, if it was going to end, how long this guy was going to take this thing, how long he was going to hold these our, our, our workers hostage, number one. And then number two, how about the, 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 the uh, prison employees who were not allowed to go? They couldn't file for unemployment because they – because they, what was the reason they couldn't file well, for the, unemployment? The way unemployment works and our TSA workers were in the same boat uh, and our I think our park, some of our park service rangers – but they, the deal is with unemployment in Pennsylvania, you have to be willing, able, and ready to go to work anywhere if you accept unemployment. And actually, we were trying to – I was talking earlier. We were trying to work with the governor's office to get an exception. But by the time that hit, the, the, the shutdown had ended on the 35th day, basically thanks to the, the uh, air traffic controllers completely, out in Virginia. Completely. Yeah, they were wonderful. The and certainly the airline, uh, <clears throat> the airline industry unions were starting to get very nervous that there were uh, – the TSA wasn't on the job. And so, you know, they were getting tired. They were worn out. And uh, I know, like Sarah Nelson, for instance, she was raising all kind of noise over it. She was it. the pinnacle behind yeah. shutting the, the so, shutdown. So we love yeah. her. She's, she's great. But. It was amazing. But, but having said that, <laughs> I, you so. know, I, and I knew we were going to do the show. It's always uh, – and I joked around with Phil ahead of time. We, we, got, we, got to, we got to do a show from vacation or something like that where it's all, you know, uh, good news. But, listen, this is part of the job. What do we got on the table now, Phil? Well, here's a f- – this isn't funny, Joe. It really isn't. Uh we are pending a possible government shutdown on November 21st because we're in a, we're once again in a continuing resolution uh, period because they didn't finish all the spending bills by September uh, 30th. Hmm. So we're in that again. 
recently uh, with from a bunch of court actions, and I think we discussed this on one of the shows, where we had the executive orders that the president did affecting collective bargaining, uh, disciplinary actions, and union negotiations over collective bargaining and their own use of agency space and time. Uh, those executive orders, we had held them off back in August of last year with the district court in D.C. Well, unfortunately, the administration had appealed, and we ended up uh, losing that appeal at the circuit D.C. Uh, court of Appeals level. Three judges decided that we had gone into the wrong forum first. They didn't rule on the merits, but they said we had to go through the Federal Labor Relations Authority. Funny part about that, well, not funny at all, but uh, is that there is no general counsel in the Federal Labor Relations Authority because Trump hasn't appointed yeah, one in three years. Right. And so you can't file an unfair labor practice through that system and get it processed. Um, so there's a lot of we're, – we're, we're now dealing with those being enacted over the next month here. Now, is it, why hasn't he appointed anybody? Is this a strategy of his? Basically, he's done this with a lot of agencies where he's just broken the system. It's uh, he, he didn't appoint anyone to the Merit Systems Protection Board. They deal with uh, adverse actions of federal employees. It's a panel that you go to to get relief there. He didn't appoint an entire Federal Labor Relations Authority for a long time. Federal Services Impasse Panel, which we deal with. These are There's a lot of acronyms there, but basically what he's done is shut down federal labor relations activity in the federal sector. And then he's appointed anti-union people to run the agencies. And uh, Karen, I'm sure, will chat about uh, the VA uh, secretary in a few minutes when she gets uh, her piece. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. Somebody, I mean, somebody like that, I, I mean, Trump obviously... Um, very, you know, you can't you can't do anything. You can't appeal anything because there's nobody to appeal it to. Well, what does it mean, Phil? What what does it mean that that you got you got bounced from a three from a three judge panel into abyss? Right. I guess because right. There's, because you're stuck with no movement. And right? we what we did is we filed to actually have a rehearing at what's uh, what's called in bank with the entire court of the D.C. Circuit, which would be 11 judges. But since there was no splits in the original three-judge panel, the full court didn't accept our rehearing appeal. So our next step is either to go to the – you can go to the Supremes, but I think we all know after Janice what a labor case in front of the Supremes is going to look like. And uh, so we're, we're looking at our different court actions. Some other, another union that does have some federal employees in New York uh, filed a case – we're waiting to see if that court does anything because the second district could also order an injunction, and we're hoping that may happen, but we'll see where that goes. Philip Glover is our special guest here. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable live from the Sinesta Hotel. Phil is the Executive National Vice President of the American Federation of Government Employees. When we come back after the break, we're going to bring into the conversation Matthew Culberson is joining us uh, up on the set, uh, and Karen uh, Ford-Steyer, who arrived with me today at 4 <laughs> o'clock. So she's logging a lot of hours, but she's uh, right next to me at the Sinesta. Uh, we'll bring Karen into the conversation uh, as well, along with uh, Jay Duck. I'm Joe Krause. On a Saturday night, following a big Penn State victory today. The Nittany Lions uh, move to 8-0 and uh, as the Labor Show rolls on on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. 
Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are brought to you by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And Bob. Back here live on Saturday Night Live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's our Labor Leader Roundtable live from the Sinesta Hotel. And, Jay doc I love when we come to uh, the Sinesta. The food is incredible. The, Tonight, get, mm-hmm. the guest list is long uh, and deep. Uh, and Karen and I are going to do this next segment while um, I'll, I'll mute your mics out. We'll bring you back at the I'm top of the hour. I'm surprised we're not already muted. True, true. <laughs> I know you him don't. and Karen got here about 4 o'clock. So you don't. They're all right. They're, they're in what we say, fellas. They're in cahoots. <laughs> we get it. We get it. Uh, but on a serious note, all good stuff Absolutely. always at the Sinesta. And I want I want to just publicly uh, thank the Sinesta uh, for what hosting us here. I mean, I mean, was it incredible? I was guy? at the bar having drinks with William Holden before the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it was last, incredible. Yeah, place this is. So um, as we continue our show, uh, the American Federation of Government Employees, uh, Phil, if you would in- introduce our esteemed guest and, if you will, tell us a little bit about what's coming up. Well, what's coming up is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, collective bargaining and what's happening in the federal sector. Uh, we we just found out on Friday that our uh, Veterans Administration management walked away from the bargaining table completely. So with that, I can let Karen discuss. Uh, Karen uh, is one of our largest uh, locals in District 3, uh, the VA over here, uh, the hospital. And she's got one of the largest locals and has a lot of impact. So. Karen Steyer. Uh, Karen Ford Steyer, if you will, you're the, you're the president of uh, AFG Local 1793 at the VA. Tell us what's going on. Well, really, I'm not sure what's going on, but it just seems like uh, everything that we do is wrong. Uh, it's an attack on federal employees, but the VA is catching a hit presently. We've seen our brothers and sisters from the Department of Education and EPA, Social Security. They're coming after our contract. They uh, went to impasse management, as Phil just said, walked away from the table and said, you know, uh, they're going to impasse. You don't go to impasse unless you both agree. We're still trying to bargain at the table, but they have decided, like they've done with all the other contracts, that... So if they don't like what you're saying, they're just going to, you know, they like to just avoid it and just go to the next Just walk away. Just walk away. But, Karen, impasse means what? Impasse means that you can't agree on what's being or what they're trying to negotiate. So the impasse uh, panel would uh, intervene and try to make a decision and hopefully come to some kind of resolution. But it's not that we're not agreeing as much as they're not negotiating. They have done stupid things like not even tell the NBA council where they're doing the negotiating. They come in a building and they're walking around the building, don't know where the room is. It's just all uh, a game. Yeah, it is. It's union busting. It's union busting at the purest form. And like Phil saying, when you have the different agencies, if they're um, appointed by the president, then we already know that we're not going to to win because they're if you're look at who he's appointed. I mean, he doesn't have any member of his cabinet that has even lasted, what, six months, right. to a year. So 
they just walk away from the table and say we can't come to any kind of agreement and we have 70 well, actually we have 60 i want to say 66 articles in our, in uh, the VA contract and what they're giving up is something like 12 or 17 i forget the exact number uh, you know Phil, I'm not does, gonna... it, does an impasse mean that some sort of independent decision is made on the disagreement and then if and then you're forced Karen and her team is forced to live with that decision? Yeah, in the federal sector, it's a little different than private sector. Normally, at this juncture, if management walked away, similar to UAW, we'd walk out. Federal employees can't walk out. We are not. We are barred from striking. So there's a panel of people in Washington called the Federal Services Impasses Panel. They're appointed by the president. <laughs> this president has appointed six anti-union lawyers to that panel. Every decision that we have received uh, on any contract so far has been completely skewed to to management. Where's your leverage then, Phil? There is none. That's the problem. Well, we're we're trying to build leverage with uh, action, job actions, and things that we are allowed to do. Certainly, we're going to be filing grievances and going to court and doing the things we can do there. But as I just told you on the executive orders, Trump has appointed 121 judges. You know, 121 judges. And so uh, the courts are starting to be packed with these people that are unqualified, that don't even have American Bar Association qualification. And he's just packing them because they're, you know, they're doing that. But it's the same story as everything that he does. I mean, come on. He doesn't pick people. He's not qualified. So how does an unqualified person pick people to sit on uh, panels or uh, over agencies over that are qualified. Karen, what, what, who, who are going to get affected? Uh, you, you know, and what type of workers are we talking about? We're talking about veterans because they kick a good game, but one third of the VA employees are veterans themselves. So when you talk about doing for the veterans, we have veterans working with veterans. So when you talk about doing, the veterans are the employees. When you talk about doing and helping the veterans, then you're not doing that because you're taking away all kinds of rights. They already mess with our pension. I work next to younger employees that don't have the same pension plan as I do. They're taking away our official time. We wouldn't need official time if management did their job and live up to the negotiated contract that we have going on. We wouldn't need the things that they, they want to take our offices. They want to take our equipment. They want to take everything that we... The Civil Service Act of 1978 is the act that gave us those rights. And now, within one big swoop, he wants to just make three executive orders that take all that away from us. Karen Ford-Steyer joining us here uh, on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Matthew, I want to bring you into the conversation because I want to give you an opportunity uh, to weigh in. Um, You can hear uh, the frustration uh, of Karen, who is speaking on behalf of all of her members. Veterans, um, veterans. Veterans. People who uh, serve this country. Let me ask you to weigh in. As you listen Thank to you. that, you have your own battle and you have your own challenge, but it's all the same, I would think. You know what? You summed it up. This is my challenge. This is my battle. The VA, IRS, uh, 
the D- D- Department of Labor, Bureau of Prisons, like what are you, what are you, what are you doing to these people? Mm. What are you doing? And these, these are executive people? orders we're talking about, right? Of so, course it is. Right. And you know, not to c- contradict what you say, Jay Doc, but when you had said to Brian at the, at the first, at the first. Uh, not episode, but the first segment like, of mm-hmm. the program, mm-hmm. when you said justice happens in the courtroom, not always, brother. Yeah. Not always. It depends who appointed that judge to preside over that hearing. Now, as far as TSA specifically, if I may, because your, your fight is my fight, Phil's fight is my fight. TSA, you're right, brother. TSA's you're right. You're Transportation right. Security Administration. That is correct. We were formed after the events of 9-11-2001. Okay. Haphazardly, as quickly as possible, we reacted to a, an incident. A tragic incident, correct? Yep. So instead of, instead of thinking this was going to last a lifetime, we were put under what's called the ATSA, the Aviation and Transportation Security Act, which gave the administration carte blanche to do what they want, which is our main fight at TSA is to get us Title V, which is the same basic bargaining rights that every other government agency has, which we don't have. Now, to go back upon my statement, as far as you're saying justice happens in the courtroom. Oh, Joe Krause said that. I didn't say it. I'm See, I'm misquoting. <laughs> I said it. Deflecting. No, I deflecting. Said it. My, that's what we do. No, you know, when you're upset. I know. I, know. No, I, I did not say it. I did say it. Go ahead. No, you're good. So we're in negotiation right now for a contract. Now, when I say negotiation, I put a very deep, emphatic air quotes around that, uh, around that word because it's a complete crap show. Nothing's going on. Nothing's going forward. But we went from 145 days last contract to 90 consecutive days to get this contract together. 90 consecutive meaning Saturday and Sunday. Mm. We don't negotiate on Saturday and Sunday. We come up with ideas that better, that better not only better the employee, but better the administration. Well, uh, for example, 16-hour uh, shift trades. Now, if you're an employee, you can do 16 hours Overtime, you can do your eight hours and another eight hours, and if operational needs permit it, then the, the agency's great with it. But you can't do your eight and then take it somebody else's eight because they feel that that's too much. So, you know, two plus two is four, so we brought that to arbitration. An arbitrator agreed with us, costing us time and money, and then what did they do? They threw it back to TSA, and what did TSA say? We don't have to abide by that. So we're not dealing with negotiations or, or an agency. We're dealing with megalomania and tyranny. It's like a Mickey Mouse court. Well, the bad thing is, is when their statute was built, it was in, coming out of 2001. Uh, the two main players of that statute was John McCain and Joe Lieberman. And they decided not to deal with the quote-unquote union thing. Yeah. And so what they have done is they said the director of TSA – decides all of these things and and he's like a dictator over there he can say this is what we'll bargain over this is what we'll talk about this is what we won't talk correct about. it's not a negotiation like you you gentlemen go i see by the way it rings on you go home you see your wife's in a bad mood and you say what's going on let's talk about it but we're not going to talk about this and we're not going to talk about that, and we're not going to talk about this. You can never really get to the problem. Guess what? We're all going to be on Phil's pullout tonight. So I guess yeah, I hope you sleep in socks because it gets cold up here. Right. You can't have a conversation and dictate what the conversation is going to be. That is not a negotiation. That is a dictatorship. Right. And, and well, you're, that's you're, him. He's yeah. a dictator. I mean, it almost sounds to me... What? I'm just saying, it's just it's unbelievable. It's like a Mickey Mouse court. Let, let me let me let me chime in one more thing. We have to cut you off, man. No, please, listen, okay. You can't. J Doc said you can. You can. J Doc, yeah, please go ahead. I love go this. Ahead, I love this. Guy. Go ahead, okay. Matthew. Nine eleven oh one was not simply about loss of life. Okay, we can count the lives lost there, 
will never be able to count the loss of commerce. Mm. Okay? We keep the air lines moving. We keep people flying. If it weren't for us, it would you talk about UAW costing um, uh, General Motors $2 billion? Guess what? If my people stopped working, it would be a hell of a lot more than $2 billion. Here's the point, well, though. Your, damage, pe- your people yes. can't stop working. We no. can't stop working, but guess what? We can also stop. Who are um, your people? Who are the employees? What, do they, what are their jobs? We, keep, we, we, we secure the traveling public. We keep, we They're keep the you screeners. Safe. Oh, so, oh, yeah, uh, true. We, the we screeners. Screen, yeah, we, they yeah. screen These the are the people making sure 9-11 doesn't happen That's right. again. Again. We are the last spot to keep you safe before you're 32,000 feet in the air. Incredible. And the pressure that is on those employees, the, the ability to be able to secure our country, not just the airport, but that's just such a big... And you know what? Let me, let me add on to that. During the furlough, during, during the 35-day shutdown, guess what? Every day I checked our call-outs. Were they slightly more? Of course, why wouldn't they be? But slightly, my people came to work. Every freaking day they came to work. Three times a year we get these boxes to give to food banks and, and so on, donations and so on. We were getting that. We were getting food from food banks and Christian charities. And, and thank goodness for IBEW and uh, but uh, Phil, the letter was, carriers. Like, come on, man. There was some doing? kind of thing where we at the VA wanted to donate to our brothers and sisters, and we couldn't do it. Phil came up with a, a plan to help us to be able to help them. We didn't have a choice but to come to work. Like Phil said, to collect unemployment, you have to be ready, willing, and able to go to work. Guess what? We were, and we were at work, but we just weren't getting paid. Saturday night. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, Matthew, this is one time uh, I'm going to cut you off and my word stands. Uh, We'll get to a (laughs) commercial break uh, here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's our labor leader uh, live roundtable from the uh, Senesta uh, on 1210. Following the big Penn State victory, we roll along to the top of the hour. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by IOTSE Local 8, District 1199C, and the Newspaper Guild. The right-wing conservatives don't have to drive themselves crazy. They can walk there. (laughs) God bless you. Live on Saturday Night Live here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, J-Doc, our labor leader roundtable. Great show tonight. Um, We seem to always say that when we come to the Sinesta Hotel, um, but it is good, spirited conversation. Yeah. I'm very sorry that we're, we've reached the last segment. Yeah, so am I. I'm, you know, Phil Glover always brings the goods. And, and here's the thing. Um, Matthew Culberson, I got to tell you, uh, yeah, I just went to the uh, 9-11 Museum with my wife two days ago. Mm. And, you know, and, and, and when we talk about what you guys do and, you know, literally you're making sure that another 9-11. And I just sat there watching the whole thing as I went to the museum and seeing if, if only we had your people there then. Um, we're, br- we're going to bring in uh, another guest at a broadcast. We have uh, another member of, 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 uh, of AFGE, Jim Ryle. How are you, sir? Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Um, tell us about who you represent. I'm here representing the uh, Veterans Benefits Administration. Uh, we're Karen's sister local over in uh, uh, East Falls, Philadelphia. Uh, My hometown, by the way, just... 
both it's a great town I love what does that mean jim define who your members are uh, our members do the uh benefits so the karen represents the hospital and the medical professionals and we represent uh benefit workers who make sure that veterans have uh the benefits that were promised to them um, under lincoln so we take care of them financially when um they're injured because of service or when they weren't injured because of service, but they reach a uh, financial threshold that needs to be taken care of. So we, we have a really special mission in the VA. Um, Indeed. And it's it's an honor to uh, to work for the VA and see what's going on. Unfortunately, when, you, when you're dealing with an agency like the VA in mm-hmm. this administration, it's been really, really tough. Um, you know, I heard what, what was going on earlier and um, some of the numbers just to, to follow up on what Karen was saying is when the when the VA takes a caucus, which means they walk away from the bargaining table to talk to themselves, um, they did so for, for over 500 hours since they've been meeting in uh, uh, since, since around April. Uh, in contrast, the unions only caucused for 44 hours. Uh, total time to to try to work these things out. So what what happens is the agency walks in, they they caucus, and then they go out sightseeing in D.C. and never return to the table uh, for weeks at a time. And then they walk away from, you know, we represent, um, you know, 300,000 employees across the the federation, the federal government, uh, upwards of, you know, AFG has 600,000. We represent three and it, it, it's just appalling to see what this uh, this administration is doing to employees who take care you, of those you, who served. How do you how do you deliver the the picture to the public, Phil? We're you know we're broadcasting on a powerful radio station in Philadelphia, a big platform, a big reach. We're not preaching to the choir. We're talking to a big audience out there. How do you how do you how do you deliver the right message? Well, one of the messages is uh, the VA, for instance, and, and most agencies in the federal government have been underfunded now for three years. Uh, no matter whether Congress gave the money or not. So what I would tell people is, if they're working in their workplace, look to your left and look to your right. If there was an employee on each side of you, they're both gone, mm-hmm. and you're doing the work yourself. That's that's what's happening here. Uh, the VA is down 50,000 employees that are not that have not been hired. So you can imagine nurses, doctors, psychologists. Everyone keeps talking about the uh, suicide problem in 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 the uh, VA with veterans. Well, if you don't have enough psychologists and counselors, then how are you ever going to fix that problem? So you know that's that's one thing. The TSA agents, uh, what's going on out there, is they're not hiring enough they, they keep them at part-time so people end up uh, well do I want to work part-time for this agency for a couple years and hope I can get a full-time job or do I move on and go work somewhere else and and so these are things that we're struggling with all over the federal government if you recall last year the BO, the Bureau of Prisons lost 6,000 positions the, Trump just they just cut them and they were supposed to give 5,000 agents. You want to talk about border security? We represent them, too. 5,000 agents were supposed to be hired in 2017. They haven't hired more than 500 new agents. Are they hiring TSA agents right now or no? They are. The turnover is excruciatingly large. Pressure. Correct, yes. It's absurd. Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. What's expected 
from from individuals with the with the time constraints and 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 a lot of it is 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 self pressure you know we're 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 inherently trained to ourselves to you know get it out fast and get it out safe but the emphasis is on get it out fast as much as it is on on get them out you know get them out safe as far as people and 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 cargo but the va our issue is retention recruitment and retention they're downgrading our positions where we used to be the employer of choice. We're supposed to be the model of employer. People are supposed to look at the federal government to know how to run their business. We're becoming, uh, it's not even competitive. The VA sits in the middle of all these hospitals who are making more money. We can't retain. We, we can't keep the best and the brightest like they allege that they want because the pay, the pay is low. And it, it's not competitive, and that's a real problem. And the way they treat employees. I mean, we've been beaten on so bad. We lost 75 employees this year so far in the Veterans Benefits Administration, just in my office. So add that to the 49,000 positions that were open across the VA over the last few years uh, that they're not staffing. And then we have bills like this uh, This bill, what, what is it, 39 uh, Thirty-four ninety-five. Thirty-four ninety-five. That wants to take our psychologists and privatize them. They want to take all the work that the psychologists the, are the doing and send them out there. The FDA, like, what are you the doing? The inspectors. What how are you do doing? you doing? And the latest pandemic. And the latest thing with the doctors, as it relates to um, changing the way that they use time, they do so many little things that doesn't get out to the public. The average Joe does not know what's happening to federal employees, yes, and ma'am. that's what the yes, issue ma'am. is. And and well, and and, and I'll, well, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we've been demonized for so many years as feds. Um, you know, we're bureaucrats. We're, we're we're just sitting on. We can't be fired allegedly, which we get a lot of people fired. Uh, you know, they they get fired just like any other workplace. You know. We, we have to change that message. And our union brothers and sisters out there who listen to these programs need to understand that, too. And when they're talking to their family, we're all union employees, too. And we shouldn't be demonized because we just happen to work for the federal government. Matt? Joe, let me say this. Word. None of us got into civil service to get rich. Mm. Uh, by definition, civil service is a service position which is like a tool to keep people safe, to keep people healthy, to keep people going. If you don't take care of the tools in your garage, they're going to fail you. And I'm just asking that these people take care of us, whether we work in different buildings or not. I'm sure you have family, uh, presumably, across the country. They're still your family, whether they live in Cincinnati or L.A. or Georgia. That's still your family. Whether they work in VA or Bureau of Prisons or IRS, these are still my family, and I need to take care of my family as my family needs to take care of me, sir. Well done. Well said by Matthew Culbertson. Uh, here representing TSA. Thank you very much for contributing uh, to the show. Karen, I'm going to give you 15 seconds. That's all I have for you. We'll do a second hour when everybody else leaves. But I could see yeah, that. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Thank you so much. All, all we want people to know is that we're human and we have lives and families that need to be taken care of. And right now we're under attack. We're under attack. The border, all federal employees are under attack. Special, Get out there and vote. Special thanks to uh, everybody from AFGE here tonight. Philip Glover, well done uh, by you. Jim Ryle, nice contribution to the Thank program tonight. Uh, and as we say goodbye to you on a Saturday night from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, on behalf of J-Doc, I'm Joe Krause. J-Doc. See you next time, everybody. 
portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communications Workers of America, and AFSME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.